1: patrons come on in wait no there's somebody behind. close the door close the door no 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 no, don't let them in don't let them in uh, who's, who's back there does look like ladies uh. girls even though the outside of our podcast clubhouse clearly says no girls allowed only boys <laughs> boys or girls drool boys forever 2020 there's girls in here now and they're really quiet
2: <laughs> hello hey who are
1: you <laughs> girls well. in here
2: I'm Callie Wonders. I'm Jess. Jess who?
0: (laughs) Jess Jess Who? You can tell that's his wife.
3: Mrs. Doge. There you go. Our last name.
0: And that means the last one's mine. Chelsea is mine. Hi. Hi.
1: So far, it's a normal episode, exactly like all our others.
4: Sort of a pretty standard, don't know what to do type energy right up here up top. That is Um, unfortunately
1: pretty standard for Patreon. How we
4: normally enter enter into (laughs) this time together, which is always real special.
0: Appreciate y'all giving Chelsea and I that time to make out before we started. Yeah. was so yeah. very nice. I just think it's
4: healthy and affirming for all of us to just take the time to watch,
1: really. <laughs> it yeah. was surprising how frequently you kept changing your virtual background while it was happening, but I, I really appreciate the commitment yeah. to <laughs> keeping You're us entertained. Is a person
5: there? We're committed to a theme.
0: That's the pup. That's the dog. I don't like saying that's Nana because it does feel like <laughs> our <laughs> grandma. here. Gam-Gam. And then all the things of like, well, Nana pooped in the cage again, like start sounding <laughs> inappropriate. If people don't think that's our dog. Well, also, she doesn't, in her cage. she doesn't poop in her cage. She doesn't poop in her cage. She's a big girl.
5: She is.
0: <laughs> she's still alive. It's just the quarantine. <laughs> the quarantine is what's kept Jess from our sweet, sweet pup. Yeah,
4: the, Only the quarantine and not the ethereal boundaries between life and death. We do no, want to no, make no, no, that no. clear. <laughs> yes, Nana is absolutely. not waiting beyond the walls of this life for us to hang out with her. She's no. still here. She
5: is alive and well.
4: Or or so we have been led to believe. Hey, I have an idea. Yeah. I, I don't know if we've thought about this. We should talk about a movie.
1: Okay. All right. And
3: sure. <laughs> Sweet. Awesome.
1: I need I need a thumbs up. It's just yes. like good. It's like an exit row on an airplane. I need verbal consent from everyone. <laughs> <laughs>
4: And uh, the movie that we're going to talk about is actually the special Patreon episode of part of our (gasps) Summer of Love, a royal romance series. And that movie is called Enchanted. Enchanted.
3: (laughs) We did it. That was a
4: lot. That's a lot of
3: voices.
0: (laughs) At least double the normal. And speaking of Enchanted, boy, aren't we. Amen. Us boys here. We've talked about, so Summer of Love, it almost feels like it's happening a little... Not soon enough, right? I mean, we're spending this intimate time talking about love and rom coms and relationships, completely void of our number one relationships. But here they are today, and this actually feels pretty fun, pretty special. Um, it's a, it's, it's a, magical, I would it's say. It's pretty magical. We're glad to have everybody for the Patreon episode. Uh, it was gonna, we were gonna have it for uh, Cars Three, but this felt way more <laughs> appropriate. Yeah. In the <laughs> middle of
4: in the middle of watching Cars Three, I was just like, something's not right about this yeah. one. Jess know? is
1: too into it. I I mean it would have been like a lot of energy coming in really hot. And so I was like, okay, guys, I'm sorry we gotta pivot. I didn't know this is my wife's favorite movie. Yeah. We gotta do a different one that she there, likes less.
4: There was about a three-hour period after Callie and I watched Cars Three where no matter what I said or asked her, all she responded with over and over again was just ka chow, ka chow, ka chow. <laughs> just nonstop. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, to to get started talking about this movie, there's nothing I want more than a synopsis from
1: pick a doge, any doge. Sure. The top one. Do it do it exactly like I do it every week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
3: A young maiden in a land called Andalasia, who is prepared to be wed, is sent away to New York City by an evil queen, where she falls in love with a lawyer.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do I do it like that?
0: (coughs) Sorry. Wait, I thought that was, I was looking away. Oh So yeah. now this, it's Doge's
1: turn? That one come, came to us uh, courtesy of IMDb user Dylan Penrose, which is maybe the most normal name I've ever seen on this website. Yeah, it seems like a pretty, <laughs> pretty typical first and last there, Dylan. Uh, here to balance that out is an IMDb synopsis by The Color Orange. <laughs> <laughs> Just as a concept? Written by Orange. The beautiful Princess Giselle, Amy Adams, is banished by evil Queen Nerissa, Susan Sarandon, from her magical, musical, animated land and finds herself in the gritty reality of the streets of modern day Manhattan. Shocked by this strange new environment that doesn't operate on a happily ever after basis, Giselle is now adrift in a chaotic world, badly in need of enchantment. But when Giselle begins to fall in love with a charmingly flawed divorce lawyer who has come to her aid, even though she is already promised to a perfect fairy tale prince back home, she has to wonder can a storybook view of romance survive in the real world? Hey, Ooh. boy, howdy, ain't it a chaotic world in need of enchantment, though? I mean, that's dead on. That's my Twitter bio. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I am. So, usually at this part, we'll go ahead and start talking about kind of what's in the movie, what was on the screen while we were watching it, what kind of that made us feel in our hearts.
5: Yay, I liked this movie.
1: Okay, no, that's great.
4: Seriously, let's let's talk about that. So you, you really did like it, Chelsea. I did, yeah. What, what is it? So from the start, can you put yourself in the position of the first time you're ever watching Enchanted? And what are you thinking when it starts, you know, so classic Disney cartoon, that whole vibe? Like, what, what are you feeling as that's going on first time and this time?
5: Well, I feel like I watched it older, like as an older human being. So whereas other Disney cartoons, I watched way, way young. So it felt very nostalgic watching this. Nostalgic at the very beginning,
4: just for like a phase of life, essentially.
5: Yeah. Just back in childhood, constantly watching Disney cartoons.
2: Yeah. I think I was surprised by it starting animated. I loved the animation. It it felt very, um, like you said, nostalgic, but it also, I knew it was Amy Adams and Patrick Timsey, and so I was kind of surprised that it started animated, but it was really fun. I liked it a lot.
1: You had seen this before, though, right, Kelly? Was this your first time?
2: I'm talking about the first time I saw it. Like, that's when I was surprised.
3: I have and always will be a fan of animal anythings, especially when they're animated, because they're (laughs) just cute and adorable all day long. Um, And so the first time I watched this, I remember like freaking out with my family about like the cute little animals. Cause that's what I do with every like animated movie. And I am pleased to announce that I definitely did that this year or this year, this time,
1: this year with our <laughs> annual viewing of enchanted, <laughs> it's enchanted day here at the Dozier household.
3: Yes. We celebrate. It's a wonderful holiday. You said It's we, June
1: 1st. So time June to watch 1st. Enchanted.
3: <laughs> time to watch it. I think, you know, props.
0: I definitely pump on the artists that did this cartoon version of everything because they're not actually Disney artists. Right. These are the people that Isn't did that Curious Wild? George. So they did a great job of that. And it, I, at first I thought I was going to be commenting on how fun is it, it? Is it for these Disney artists to actually do characters in the likeness of the people that are doing the voice acting. Um, but that wasn't even the case because it's not even Disney artists. But I think that's definitely fun and helps with the transition of when we get to see them in real life. Um, because you can tell. I mean, I think... There's probably that moment too, and this is what, 2007? So Amy Adams isn't huge yet. Right. She's still like already been nominated for an Oscar and stuff. But um, this is a moment that you're like, oh wait, you kind of already look like a princess. Like it it fits really well. So yeah, I, I think starting with a cartoon feels like it has to be there.
4: Is anybody else disappointed that we never see a cartoon Patrick Dempsey at any point?
5: Yeah, I, I am mean, you know. the difference between a Patrick Dempsey cartoon and a James Marsden cartoon? Oh, a little oh. bit less hair?
4: You know, it's it's funny that you asked that question because uh, it's crazy, the difference. George's <laughs> <I, Jordan's laughs> like, I do have some drawings right here. <laughs> yeah, if you'll- uh, My life's work. Let me share my screen. I could show you some sketches I've been working on today. <laughs> See, this one's clearly Dempsey. <laughs> you can tell because uh, of his, his doctor's uh Coat, his That's do- right, his doctor's coat from the doctor. The Grey's, the gray's mm-hmm. anatomy.
5: Oh, oh uh, it was a Grey's Anatomy tie-over.
4: Mm-hmm. Oh, big time! Wasn't this whole oh. thing that? Mm. <laughs> I was waiting <laughs> for was the, from this. This was the
1: last episode of Grey's Anatomy. He saved every other patient in the world, and now he has to save himself. Or and love <laughs> also love and has to save love for all of New York City by the time June first gets here, because that's Enchanted Day. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe the only character in this movie that I had kind of this
0: like reverse feeling is like, wait, you were meant to be a cartoon. Like when I see him in real life, I was like, oh, and then when I see his cartoon version, I'm like, aren't you in Beauty and the Beast is Timothy Spall? Yeah. Like his Disney version of him, I'm pretty sure has been in another movie, a Disney movie before he just looks like a cartoon. And I thought he was, he there was are really definitely
5: good. some human beings who are meant to be a cartoon instead of being a real life human. And he's one of them.
4: That's true. Mm-hmm. He, um, first of all, his characters just sort of LeFou. Which we we talked Very about much. a lot, but I'm I'm yep. down with it. That's not a dig. <clears throat> um, no, we love lafu This is also. It didn't even click with me at the beginning that this is this is uh, what is it? Wormtail? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Peter Pettigrew. Peter Pettigrew. Yeah, from yeah. Harry Potter. Have you all uh, ever seen that one?
2: Wait, really?
0: Chelsea hasn't seen it a lot. No.
4: Oh no. Sorry. You didn't. She just you found didn't, out yesterday.
0: I you was didn't watch say it
1: she, so that you could listen to our episodes. No, she didn't do that. Oh,
0: she didn't get to that. She had just done all of her Amy Adams homework, which Amy's <laughs> got quite the library. So, <laughs> you understand if Timothy Spall's not at the top of the list for <laughs> that? See everything he's done. That,
4: that is true, though, right? Amy Adams. I mean, her the fact that she can play Giselle and Sharp Objects and Arrival, like the it's a American pretty, Hustle. I mean, that's a pretty wide funnel. It, she's impressive here. How much she. I, I think, brings a
0: cartoon princess to life completely.
2: Just
0: 100%. 100%. Yeah, she's my super pump. I can be the first to super pump here with everybody. Talk about but it. Yeah, I just don't think this happens unless you have someone who still feels animated. I don't get to Good. think about yeah. how she used to be animated unless she is just so over the top. And I couldn't help but thinking there's some roles that you watch and you're kind of like, I, I feel like that was probably really fun. Like, it feels like it was really fun for her to play this character outside of like when she's wearing a 45 pound dress, but like <laughs> she, she is just so bubbly without it being kind of like sticky. Like it was like a, does that make sense? It's not like a. Totally. Uh, I think it could have been really easy for her to be in the category of like a, like 1950s, like Marilyn Monroe type character, right? Like a, right. Yeah something that's just not really even appropriate for, for movies right now, unless it's a caricature of somebody. But I think she did a really good job of that.
4: Yeah. And I think there's something about Callie hated this part. I think there's something about seeing her do her princess thing with a bunch of like rats and pigeons uh, and cockroaches. That is so what the funny. Heck,
2: Callie? I'm not talking about the beginning. I'm talking about that when she's cleaning Patrick Dempsey's apartment and she, yeah, am-
5: it's so cute though. Are I'm you like, kidding? No, I'm not kidding.
2: Okay, well, I'll get to it. That's my super dump. <laughs> I <laughs> I hate cockroaches more than almost anything on this planet. I think they're disgusting. I don't want to look at them. I don't want to see them dancing or cleaning or like when she like s- like scoops them scoops out. Scoops them out oh, of the vacuum. It's oh. disgusting. Like the the birds what don't bother other me. animals.
5: Do you have to pull from in New York City?
2: I don't, I don't know. Just use all birds. Well, and the rats, the rats don't bother me either. It is, I think it's just the cockroaches, but I get that it was supposed to be this cute thing, but it just really like gave me the heebie-jeebies the entire time I was watching that scene. (laughs)
3: I think that was the point I feel I was about to say I feel like that was the point and that's why I didn't really think it was cute and I hate cockroaches as well I was like getting grossed out the whole time every time they're on the screen but I think that that was what was so funny is that she was bringing this like animated like fake reality into the real world and it doesn't really make sense and so it's like cute but also disgusting at the same time and so I was like (laughs) dying see but like I think the Part of it is that, like, since it's an actual apartment,
2: seeing the cockroaches come out of the drain in this way, right. like, gave me. That's what nightmares are made
5: of. That is, that
2: was yes. overwhelming.
3: Sure. <laughs> I'm
1: I'm incredibly pro roach. Yeah, and I, I love cockroaches. I very much loved this part. I was very glad to see some of those squirmy, squishy critters finally uh, get their day in the sun. Doug does, does like, have his Papa Roach uh, that's
4: shirt on. True. It, yeah. <laughs> I, I love cockroaches and paper cuts and just sort of sweating with the boys. Um, you know, all that sort of gross guy stuff. Uh, dirt, mud cakes, uh,
1: noogies. Yeah, y'all weren't ready for that. All you ladies that jumped on this podcast. It's all our gross guy stuff. <laughs> what do you guys think about trucks? I think they're cool. Dude, I love, I love the way they move. That's an
0: outcast song.
5: (laughs) That's as far as car talk can go with you guys is that you love the way they move.
1: And boy, howdy, do I. You really got to, they're really those, some of the cars that I've seen have a lot of get up and go to them. So I want to stay on this
4: uh, people bringing the the cartoon element to their character in the real world just for a second because, um, and, and, I, I hate that we're this crammed together on this, but my super pump for this movie is the one and only James Marsden.
5: Wait, <gasps> that's so my good. super pump.
4: Ah, uh, yes. Uh Chelsea, Giselle. Please, <laughs> please <laughs> tell me. Okay, first of all, I have to say when he screams Giselle and bites his knuckles, <laughs> yes. <laughs> is the the peak of this movie. It is the funniest thing that happens in the whole in movie. In that to me.
1: scene. In that scene. That's the scene where he kills the bus, right? Oh, no, it's after that. It's no, it's later. in Central Park. When but he kills when the d- bus, he's standing in front of a billboard for Superman Returns. And he's in that movie. That's James so Marsden great. is in that movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, also, there's huge billboards for Wicked all over Times Square. So Ezell. Is Child Nancy in Wicked?
4: Adele. Yeah. Uh Chelsea, talk to me about James Marsden. Why is he uh, why is he your super I just
5: pump? think there is no way. That you can watch this movie and not laugh at every single thing that James Morrison does. He did it so well. The like quintessential zero, yeah, brain is empty. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Prince Charming, that all he does, wants to do is save Giselle and be a hero. And I think he, you know, because part of this whole movie is to play into that, uh, just the whole fairy tale storyline ridiculously and he did it so well
2: um when speaking of brain empty his like charades with the chipmunk
5: <laughs> was so funny if you don't replay that scene five times who are you i told chelsea it's, it's i good. was like
0: i said listen i only have 48 hours of this movie we need to watch this scene again because <laughs> we rented on google play and i there is something like <clears throat> i was even thinking back to emperor's new groove yes uh, and I think Disney and does such a good job of the characters that can't really talk, and they always end up being so funny, like the Pascals of the world and Flit and all that kind of stuff. And it's, this is just, I was just, I was crying. Like, I was wheezing because yeah. of that scene. Even
5: now, when we laugh about it, we're both still teary-eyed. Yeah, Pip
0: was just. almost my super pump, honestly. So good. So good.
3: Pip was my super pump. <laughs> <laughs>
4: It's just a super pump bonanza. Go, Jess. Tell us why.
3: Because he's the best. And you're right. (laughs) Disney does such a good job of um, just like those supporting uh, characters that are the little like animal sidekick thing. Like I'm usually just such a sucker for that. But specifically, Pip, I was just like. Gushing over him, especially in the real world. I actually prefer him in the real world than I did yeah. in the animated sense, because he was like sassy, but in a cute, adorable chipmunk way. Um, and it was just, it was incredible. I was like dying, and I knew every line that was coming up, uh and I would say it to Doge like right before it happened, <laughs> which I'm sure he loved. I
1: love it. I think but. legally, I have to say that that was. Good. I liked it that you did that.
4: <laughs> I, uh, I don't, I don't want to let the moment pass. I think that's, um, great. And I love that Pip brought you that much joy. Uh, he brought me joy too. Not, not as much as
1: you, I think, but, uh, enough. John, uh, that's I, the director. That's Kevin Lima voicing Pip in, in the real world. How I love, funny. I love that. I think that's very that happens. That tends to happen a lot with Disney movies where a director will lay like a temporary vocal down while they're in the storyboarding process. Yeah, and Edna then, Mode, right? And yeah, Edna Mode b- and uh, and Crush, the turtle. Yep. By the time they get to the actual casting process, they're like, hey, there's just no way anybody it. but you can do that. Yeah. yeah.
4: They just have the vision for it, I guess. They look at helps. that
1: budget and they're like, <laughs> yeah, man, nobody but you could do
0: this. <laughs>
4: um, I don't want to let the James Marsden heat pass without saying... Uh, Chelsea, I think everything you said was great. I totally agree. The only thing I have to add for why he's my super pump is the the puffy shoulders kill me. <laughs> They're, I've never seen puffy shoulders that large.
1: You think those are bigger than Debs from Napoleon Dynamite? Dude, I would
4: say they are bigger <laughs> than Samus Aran from Metroid. Yeah, like, that's <laughs> probably true. <laughs> the shoulder pads on this dude's uh, tunic, I don't know what it is, are, I mean, it's it's two regulation size basketballs up on those bad boys.
3: They're like him? bigger than Amy Adams' face.
0: <laughs> yes, they are. Is that him singing, right? I think so. These think are our actors singing. Yeah.
4: Good
1: grief. He's really so good. good. He feels like Broadway level to me, personally. To me? <laughs> uh, Speaking I, of Broadway level singers, are we ready to Are we ready to move on to the wickedly talented Adele Nazim, or do we want to stay yes. here on Jamie? No let's let's talk to let's talk to does deem? I have strong opinions about Edina Menzel in this movie, uh, but they're more related to the end of this movie and where the narrative goes. Yes, um, yeah this this podcast
4: exists outside the temporal confines of time and space, so I say go ahead and jump to the end there, baby.
1: I hate the way this movie ends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because this movie is a combination of Elf and A Midsummer Night's Dream.
4: Yes. And, oh, that's
1: good. And both of those movies in, well, Midsummer Night's Dream, I'm sure is a movie, but it is more famously known as a play by it Bard Billy movie. Shakes. Um... And both of those end better than this. There is no compelling reason for the couples. There's a compelling reason for half of the couples to switch. But there's no reason for Nancy and James Marsden to be together other than we can't, we can't leave a single person single at the end of this movie. Did you
4: say this is your super dump? Yes. Cosine.
1: Yeah. This, this is, is also my super, my dump. super
4: dump.
5: My uh, super dump kind of ties into it. Because I feel like in order to make this work, I would be okay with it if... Adina Menzel sang at the end. She literally goes into a world where they're singing constantly and doesn't sing a note. That so how was, do you end her in a world that they're singing and she doesn't sing even even like a fraction of the chorus or the verse or of anything at the end? Nothing.
3: That was my super dump since we're already here. Was the fact that we have Adina Menzel like in this movie, and then we like put her into an animated world with her Prince Charming, who is an awesome singer and who sings all the time and loves for someone to finish his duet. And we don't get any of that at the very (laughs) end. What if
1: they sang that song at the Mm. end and she just blasted out with that frozen sound we all know and love? Yes. A good version of the song they are singing at the beginning. She was just like, my love for you is so strong that the last thing in the world I want to do is... Let it go, let it go. (laughs) And And it's it's like the
0: Robert Goulet twist on how she normally sings that song. Yeah, I was gonna say it's Bing Crosby, which I (laughs) love. I think so, just to for a little bit not argue with my wife, Lord no, (laughs) to um, only to defend just a tiny bit Adina Menzel. She was actually reported as saying she was kind of flattered that she was asked based off of her acting skills, because that is also a passion of hers. And so I think, ultimately, like, there's good parts to that, too. Yes, everybody wants to see her sing, but it's like, she doesn't just do that. Right. You know, there's other things she does. I know
5: that, as one of her ginormous fans. That's right. I can appreciate her just acting. How the heck do you put Adina Menzel in a movie and don't even, I don't know, a little bit of the end. The producers, the director. Who's the one in charge of those things? I don't know. Why am I here? It's Pip. like
0: asking Odin at the end of Thor to look at the camera and be
1: like, "No, that's no. not over." No, it's if you not. It's the super same not. Thing. If you put, if it was, if Thor was a horror movie, if Thor was a a horror thriller, then yes, it would be like asking him that. But this, to me, like, it's great that Adina Menzel's happy that she was cast because she is a good actress let's a let's put her in a movie where she can act and b let's not put her in a movie where every other member of the main cast has a musical number right
4: it's not like she's in a speaking only movie and then it's like why didn't she sing it's a musical like, right right come exactly come on it would be like it-
0: i i actually agree with everybody i just want to take a step outside of this and say i'm just trying to make a good podcast episode so I it am, felt like everyone was so happy no, and agreeing on everything. No, 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 so I was like, no. why don't I'm we just tear this pot up? I think I'm
4: content with an okay or even bad podcast episode. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay.
5: I am happy with Adina Menzel only acting in this movie until the very end where it feels like I agree. everything is primed for her. Like, oh, we're going to hear it. We're going to hear her, We're going to hear it. If there was not that tease, I would not be complaining.
4: Yep. Yeah, that's valid.
5: I'm going to keep complaining.
1: So that's half of my super dump. The other half is the big dragon just doesn't really look good or make sense. And and we have a wild third act escalation in this the same way that we do with Elf where the conflict is really, really grounded in Elf. At first, it's really, really grounded. And then suddenly it's Santa versus the military. <laughs> and it's just out of control, strange. <laughs> and then we have this overblown conflict in the third act where it's like, okay, it's all love and internal conflict except we don't really know how to resolve that super well. So let's introduce a cartoon dragon to New York City, which fairy tale trope, but it just doesn't work for me. So
2: we actually talked about how we thought that most of the CGI in the movie was really good, like the little chipmunk and like a lot of it was good. And then the very end, I hated the dragon. I didn't think it was necessary. I feel like even the stepmother can be the villain without weirdly turning into this dragon that I don't think worked very well.
0: Right. It was like they were trying to, they talk about how Giselle was supposed to be equal parts like Cinderella, Snow White, and sprinkled a little bit of Ariel. So it feels like they were trying to, in homage, be like, wow, the villain's kind of like this too. Remember the evil queen, which she's like 99% the evil queen, and then she becomes Maleficent at the end. And like, just turns into this giant dragon. And you're right. I I agree. It feels inappropriate. And my super dump, honestly, is uh, Nerissa, that character in general. I think with how creative this movie was and how thoughtful it seemed with every other character, um, at least every other character that has a lot of screen time, I feel like they could have done a lot more. I feel like this character could have been a lot of people's favorite if we had played it well. I think it's cast well. Dude, Susan Sarandon is, don't, is wasted. Yeah. Yeah. In this movie, yeah, I do think she's wasted, and doesn't she doesn't sing either, right? No. Yeah, so it feels like singing is really only reserved for two people, which is strange. Which isn't like a Disney movie, but.
3: Well, no, Patrick Dempsey he sings to uh, Giselle while they're dancing. Yeah,
0: very, oh, yeah, very poorly <laughs> to that song that totally should have been Michael Bolton. Disney, I know you have a lot yes. of money <laughs> that was made for him. Was, Who's this kid? Was that,
4: was that kid supposed to be somebody like we were, were supposed know. to be like, oh, it's I think it's, it's his
0: voice is what yeah, his voice is what made me think this should be like a famous person. He actually was great. Yeah. But hey, do you, this this feels like a loaded question.
4: Do, do balls happen? Like, how often are you guys just sort of stumbling upon
1: an open invite to, like, the local ball? That's actually the thing I miss most from the pre-quarantine world (laughs) is how frequently we would go just tear it right the heck up at a ball.
2: I thought it was weird how, like, apparently everyone got the memo that it was a costume party except for Giselle.
4: (laughs) Everybody's dressed
1: uh, except then Giselle's. (laughs) Giselle's like, I'm, oh, this whole thing? I, I don't know. Oh, what's up? I'm here for junior prom. Let's <laughs> right. get dancing.
3: Right. She always has to stand out, though, because before she was the one wearing all of the like gaudy, yeah. weird stuff. And then now she's like wearing like just normal things because she's got to stand out. But I think it's super weird that she's wearing like yeah <laughs> a junior why, prom dress.
0: Why does and this is this is a quote from our Patrick Dempsey's character's daughter. But why are we keeping a dress in a drawer in your house <laughs> as a currently single man for emergency?
5: <laughs> no, she pulled out a credit card.
1: That's right. <laughs> it was a credit card. But you didn't see it. You unfold it. If you fold it a certain <laughs> way, you right. unfold it Wait, and it becomes right, a dress. That's
0: right. That's right. I remember thinking that's at the weird. moment how weird it would be that it was a dress. And I think... I decided to to just hold on to that.
2: Did y'all see how many shopping bags they had? Like, they spent so much money, like, for an emergency.
5: I can tell you a lot of things that I would put on my emergency list, Callie. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair.
4: Uh, One time uh, during this uh, quarantine period, Callie did go to buy uh, bread and a couple other groceries and came home with Little Women on Blu-ray. So, I mean... Sort of a, an emergency fund situation. Good. Movie.
2: If you've seen the movie, you knew that that was an emergency.
4: <laughs> That's kind <laughs> yeah, of like the dress of movies. I've all uh, Doge. I have always said that,
1: and it didn't. It didn't win best picture, but it did win most similar to a dress at the Oscars. <laughs> so.
4: And is it blue or gold? That's the the real question, I guess. Yes. Hey, I want to talk about LeFou, if we can. Uh, old Peter Pettigrew. Uh, Nathaniel. Nathaniel. So it's good. Uh, it's good. Nathaniel has, I have the weirdest reaction to his character, right? Because it's like half the time I like him and mm-hmm. half the time I'm utterly bored by him. And those two things can coexist within the same breath of his character for some reason. Yep.
1: Nathaniel feels to me like the most clear distillation of the fact that this movie was made for children and their parents and not only. Adult, grown up, aged people.
4: Yeah, I think I think that's totally valid. I mean, you get things like the him looking at the apples and the soup in the kitchen, right? And it's it's fun and it's out there and it's so creative to have that be the way. But then his interaction with that chef is so like Scooby Doo slapstick weird out of yeah, nowhere, yeah. and it's like ah, pick a lane. He could have been great. He could have been so funny. Uh, I don't know. He just he felt. I think he feels the most out of place. Once we get to the real world, and maybe it's just that 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 lackey character has a hard time translating. I don't know.
2: Also, like, who is he? Is he the best friend? Is he old enough to be a a husband to the stepmom? Like, what? Who is he?
0: I think it really is a. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be a reference to LeFou. I mean, he's just going around with this haughty character. And just kind of assisting him on things. Meanwhile, he's, he's like only, a double agent. For, he's
5: only doing that because he's interested in the queen. That's right. Where that's not happening in Beauty and the Beast. Right. That we
0: know there. of. In the uh, director starts, uh, starts as him being like a LeFou type character. Working for the queen.
5: Because he's in love with her.
0: Yeah. So Let me talk about a couple things I, I loved.
4: Some of the magical elements that translated into the real world made this movie, I think stand out above a lot of other sort of, um, tale esque type things. The caramel apple with the skull in it is fun. It looked really great. It was super creative, I think. Um, but particularly, uh, what's the song that we sing in Central Park with just like everybody joining in?
2: That's how you know. Oh my
4: gosh. It's so good.
2: So that whole scene is my super pump. I love everything about it. I like the different groups of people, the different types of music. I like how much Amy Adams just committed to everything in it. I love that whole scene.
5: It's so dreamy, romantic, tale esque It's perfect.
4: It reminds me of the, the March and the dance in 500 days of summer, how it's just this, mm-hmm. this one yeah. scene where it's so clear that the studio just completely sold out to the idea and was like, here we go. Get, Everyone like make this good. And and I I think, um, is there anything specific that you wanted to like point out from that Callie? Um, just like what made it stand out to you, or is it just kind of the whole package?
2: I mean, it's, it's the whole package. I'm a sucker for a good dance number with a (laughs) lot of people. Um, and so seeing all the different types of dances between the, the old couples and the newly married couples and the break dancers and things like that. Like I thought that was really fun. I think the song is super catchy and I just thought it was fun to look at all the colors and the flowers and like all of it. I thought it was so fun.
1: Some of those, uh, one of the old men that's dancing. Did you guys read this on IMDb? One of those old men, uh, was in Mary Poppins. He was one of the chimney sweeps in Mary Poppins. Lots of that in this movie. Our secretary for Dempsey, when she's,
0: uh, when uh, Giselle is is playing around in the aquarium is Swallows Ariel. The fish. Is yeah. Ariel? No way. Oh, I didn't
5: know. Yeah. Wait, really? That's
0: Jodie Benson. Yep.
4: <gasps> I did not catch that. There's something about the song um before we move on from that specifically. So I, I think I think the movie itself is great and I still think the song is better than the movie it's in. Like that is a classic level song I think for for Disney. It's Alan Minken. I mean, it's so good.
0: That's not surprising. This is the guy that did music for like Beauty and the Beast and Tarzan and stuff like that.
4: Sorry, Phil? Is it's it still. Phil, Phil Collins? Is that who you mean?
0: No.
5: <laughs> as soon as Carter said we were watching this movie, that was the first song I sang.
1: It's it's really great. While we're talking about music, um, my super pump is actually the melodic... Sh- that tickles. Don't touch my arm like that. Recording with another <laughs> person staying, on the microphone is interesting. In that's staying podcast. <laughs> uh the way like the melodic structures of the of the music both the backing music and then the music that we're singing along to whenever we're in andalasia is so very perfectly mid-century um so that's my super pump because that is super hard to nail but they absolutely crushed it and it sounds like like the sleeping beauty soundtrack or something like that just melodically rhythmically harmonically it's really really brilliant
0: yeah. I mean our our composer is an eight-time Oscar winner. You know that did uh yeah, Aladdin, Pocahontas, Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid,
1: all that stuff. Well, I think they did it. I think that person did a good job. And I'm not afraid to say it. I think they're talented at music and composing. Dude, that's so brave. Oh my gosh. That's so that's brave. That's all man. of
0: our uh all of our Oscar nominations for this movie. It actually was nominated for three Oscars, wow. and it was all music.
4: Does it does it feel like this movie is spe- I'm specifically thinking of Amy Adams, James Marsden and, um, Timothy Spall who plays Nathaniel, but maybe even a little dimpsy, um, probably not serene and so much, but does it feel like for some of these actors, this is one of the more joyful roles they get to play? Cause when I think of Amy Adams and James Marsden in particular, they frequently play heavy or sort of, or, you know, darker parts. Um,
1: I think this is the only happy ending James Marsden has ever gotten. Yeah,
4: Maybe. Um, but I, th- maybe there's something that feels special about it just to me, but, uh, there's just something that feels special about seeing Amy Adams and James Marsden just go bonkers with these over the top cartoon characters when I don't feel like we get to see that from them a lot. It just feels really special. I think watching them do that.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think it's interesting to look at it 13 years from when it came out, you know, to, to critique totally. it because it's also even, you know, at that time they're not even a listers. Um, I don't even know if James Marsden is an A-lister right now, but it's like, I think, I, I think, think it was he is. A, just, by the way, I don't think so. You think he's like George Clooney or Brad Pitt?
4: No, no. I, I think called, those that's guys are, called a
0: B-lister. They're platinum maybe listers. They're, they've yeah, transcended sure, sure, our sure. alphabet. Yeah. I've sure. sure maybe
4: sure. that's a discussion for a different time. That's right. Yeah.
0: I think if, if, yeah, it's fine. He's in the MCU. So maybe he's an A-lister. Um, but I, was just thinking that they could have, I feel, like, not the MCU. He was in X-Men, but they go. weren't That's the MCU That's true. That yet. So, sorry, you big nerds. <laughs> um, I'm not on any of those episodes, so Patreon members, don't worry. I won't screw those up. Um, <laughs>
1: um,
0: so, there is, they could have done, because it's Disney, right? And it's a big thing that, hey, we're going to make, and this is one of the last times they're ever going to do, like, a live-action, original-type thing from Disney that is so blatantly... You know, and this is one of the only times we've seen since, like, who framed Roger Rabbit. Yes. Like, a successful cartoon and real-life people. So, I think they could have gotten a much bigger actor and actress. And I think I'm so glad they didn't. Because then it's like, you know, I think other people they considered for the role were, like, Julia Roberts, you know, in 2007. They had, you can imagine, I think it was, like, Matt Damon and, like... (laughs) It's it's just, I don't think it would have worked. And they kind of, they didn't pick a bunch of like moldable actors to play the role. It was still someone we recognized, but they found a a really fine line there. And I think the casting, especially of those, because I think the only people were super pumping outside of Pip, who doesn't really exist, are Marsden and Amy Adams. And I think it's because they were just cast perfectly.
3: And I think... He exists in our hearts. That's true. In our friendships. He does. That's true. (laughs) He's good. He's good.
4: I think... Um, that something worth talking about Carter that you just brought up is the blend of animation and, um, sort of real life figures and, and places. I think it works really well. Um, you know, the Nerissa's face appearing in, uh, the fish tank or in the pot of soup or, um, just the, the, I think the different the martini. Yeah. I, I think it, it works and it looks because it is so beyond believability. There is no, like, it doesn't quite work here. Like, Of course it works. There's nothing to compare it to in a good way.
2: So
0: good tone set early on.
2: Mm -hmm. Something just a a small pump for me. um, Speaking of kind of that mix between animation and real world, I thought the them coming out of those little manholes um, in every scene was so funny with all the glitter and like it coming back to the, the work crew, covering it up. And like just as they finish covering it back up, someone else pops up. I just thought that was really, really funny.
0: Kind of reminded me a little bit of Bill and Ted when they bring all of those historical figures to, to back to like modern day, just so out of place. Uh, it, this is a movie that takes place in New York City, so I think legally we're obligated to
4: say something about New York being a character in the movie.
1: Um, New York's like almost even the main character. I would say it's a story <laughs> about a city becoming comfortable with enchantment.
4: Yeah, I think that's probably true. <laughs> uh, but some of the best parts, some of the highlights, are. Um, our cartoon characters interacting with a world that they've never seen or heard the the magical box that controls the magic mirror and the steaming dragon with all the peasants inside and um like all of those different things that they're so like confused by the 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 shower where does the water come from um it's just also and, and it totally is um I'm gonna use the the word elf elf like elfian maybe it's totally that elf of um, you know, I like to whisper to, or, uh, mailroom that's interesting. You know, that whole innocence in a place that takes advantage of that is so interesting to watch. Um, and I honestly wish there was more of it in this movie. I feel like we, I could have done with more jokes at the expense of the confusion.
1: See, every time I was watching our, our cartoon characters in the real world, I was wishing that it was elf. Cause I just, I, I think this is great. And I just think elf does that aspect of it a lot better.
5: Well, and I feel like I wish there was, like, that montage scene that Elf has of him, like, finding the gum, walking along the street, things like that. Or if we just had Amy Adams having those, like, small little moments, like a 45-second little bit of her just like trying to figure out everyday life that we know and are comfortable with but would be very unfamiliar to someone that's coming from a storybook world. Um I think that little bit would have been so, so good.
4: Yeah, I agree. And yet also, I know that if that was in there, we would be sitting here on this podcast being like, they were just copying Elf with that whole 45 second seat, you know, like, and I, but I think you're right. Like it would benefit from leaning into what it's similar to already. Yeah, Chelsea, I think that's perfect.
2: Can we talk about Giselle's and Patrick Dempsey's relationship? I thought it was super interesting. I think I love the dynamic of someone who is just, obsessed with love. Like that is the only thing they care about. And then someone who's a divorce lawyer. I thought that was really funny.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I think it's, there's a certain charm about it. It's tough though, because I mean, he got to a point with Adina Menzel of like engagement. I mean, we don't know this character's history to be like, it's not the first time he's asked to grow, you know, he falls in love too quickly, that kind of thing. But it's like, and and that's something that some of some of us dumped on is super dumped on is that like that relationship just falls by the wayside right. so quickly, but I can't help but say that I did. I mean, you do want him and Giselle to happen. What mm-hmm. was him at some? Was point.
4: he his and Adina Menzel's relationship? Were we supposed to root against them? Because she never did anything that made me like dislike her character. In fact, she was super cool right. with this whole situation by the end. Um, and I mean, maybe a little uptight, sure, but um nothing about her made me I think
1: she's only uptight because she walks in and her fiance is being straddled by a woman right. fresh out of the shower. Correct. Yeah.
4: Correct. And I, it it makes it a little confusing for me as a viewer to be like so is it a good thing that Giselle is breaking them up? I'm lost here.
0: Right? You you feel sorry for Adina Menzel because like the daughter's all for it. Like <laughs> right? she definitely knows Adina <laughs> She she definitely knows Adina Menzel much for better. Five years. <laughs> But she's like, no, no, no get, get this girl out of here. This is a princess. I think the daughter, now I'm changing my super dump. I think the daughter is the most selfish character. Oh, my
5: gosh.
0: Now, Adina uh, Menzel
4: does get James Marsden. That's true. She wins. And she, and she does win, I think.
5: She gets to be an actual princess.
0: And a cartoon. Do they know and their I cartoons? If- uh, yes. They probably do now. They're probably some of the only ones that do.
5: I feel like Adina Menzel is very smart in this movie.
3: Um, I wonder if, so, like, at the very beginning, whenever he, like, sends her flowers by the doves and stuff, she, like, freaks out and is suddenly so okay with the fact that he, like, that morning was found with another woman in his apartment. Like, I wonder if what they were trying to communicate with the movie was that, like, she in her mind had this, like, kind of fairy tale hopes or more romantic thing. And, like, the thing that I was getting from their relationship was not that, like, yes, they'd been together for five years, but... Um, uh, she was what was, Yeah, that they were settling. That they were like, oh yeah, we check all our boxes. Like we get on great. We've done the research. Essentially, like we're a good fit. But I think the like Amy well, Adams that- swoops in and she's like, well, it's more than just about that. And her perspective is skewed because she's all just about like the love and like it's so deep and it can happen in in like one day. But. Well, I those think two that is evident when Patrick Dempsey describes what a date is. He says it's going on dinner
5: and talking about your interests and your dislikes and your likes. That's all dating is to him. And I think him and Ididdy Mazel probably did that very well. They had good conversations with each other. But uh, the, the whimsical fantasy-like element that Amy Adams brings is what was missing.
3: Exactly. And I think they balance each other out at the very end because it's like he brings her a little bit more into reality of like, hey, you can't just like marry someone after a day of knowing them because you guys sang the same song. But you also can't like have all of the box checked, but then lack the like affection and that butterfly feeling and that like that whimsical romanticism that comes with love as well. Part of me feels like We're supposed to infer that they don't actually love each other.
2: Like he even said like, yeah, we love each other, but we don't like, we don't tell each other very often, but like we do, you know, part of me feels like they just, they'd been dating for so long that they felt like they needed to get engaged. And then when he actually fell in love with Giselle, he realized that he wasn't
5: like, and maybe they both realized it. Like at the, I think she realized it too. Once she got the flowers and when she got those things of like, this isn't like you, this is what I like.
4: Yeah. yeah, they can both do better, I think, is where we're supposed to draw the line there, right? Which is always a weird place to land, but it seems like for Adina Menzel and Patrick Dempsey's character, it's like, you both, you both are settling on accident in ways you didn't realize that you would be.
0: Yeah, it also feels like a pretty important plot point that the uh, people that he's working for, essentially, the couple that we see that are arguing uh, on the scenes, like when we first see Patrick Dempsey, the fact that they... Make up in the end, you know, even after their arguments was maybe something Dempsey never thought he could do with Adina Menzel. Yeah. And then he's like, okay, wait, so we don't have that. That is more of like what Giselle is offering than what I have right now because I don't see this happening for us to just get over these petty things like this. So, yeah.
4: I actually think I could use more Adina Menzel in this movie, Um, especially if we're going to invest at all in her relationship with James Marsden at the end. It seems like. I would have benefited and the movie would have benefited maybe from seeing her or pacing her apartment, trying to figure out if this is right or talking to um, just really anyone that isn't Patrick Dempsey um, in the whole movie at any point would have been helpful. Right.
2: I think it could have been fun if they went on a double date. Um, Cause like we see, we see Giselle and um, James Marsden go on a date through the city and they're not having fun clearly. And I feel like it could have been kind of fun to do a double date where both of them are kind of vibing with the other person.
1: Absolutely. They, I mean, they all four need to be in the same room before the last scene of the movie in order for her to work at all as a character.
3: I, I wonder if it would have made it stronger, too, for Nancy to be, like, shown throughout as wanting this whimsical love, like kind of being over the top about it. So that way when she gets pulled into this like cartoon fairy tale, like it's like the perfect choice because she's been looking for this like overly romantic thing. And like James Marsden is like bringing that to the table. And so they're a perfect match. And so she actually like prefers to live in that kind of fantasy world.
0: Yeah. I think what this shows us is ultimately Disney just doesn't love Adina Menzel enough. Uh, neither Elsa nor Nancy, even though they were actual princesses in an actual Disney movie, are not considered Disney princesses. Part of it is because Elsa becomes queen, but it's like, I don't know. Why are they giving her such a hard time? I couldn't get over the fact that Amy Adams, Giselle, like Disney actually had some pretty strong plans to make her one of the Disney princesses. Um, but I, from what I read, like it came down to like to pay for Amy Adams' likeness. For forever was going to be not something that they were into, honestly. They can have mine for free
4: if they want that. Right. They can just sort of take it.
1: At this point in quarantine, my likeness is so devalued that I might have to pay them to take my likeness. I
4: would do that too. (laughs) I think maybe um, for me, you know, personally, I think the biggest thing that we can take away from this movie is... Um, Idina Menzel is just sort of out there looking for a love that defies gravity mm. and James Martin, Mar, mm. James Martin was really just <laughs> holding her down um, and I, holding her down. I think, I think <laughs> that's
1: right. We've all been there, you know, did you plan yeah. that? Did you like think of that watching the movie and be like, this is going to crush on the podcast?
3: Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't get With the reference. <laughs>
4: So usually this is about the time in the episode where we would uh, <laughs> rate it, but this time we're also going to using the scientific... let's, yeah, wait, let's wait. I was Hold just kidding. On.
0: <laughs> Stop. Don't do that. Uh, I think we at least need to say that I was, even though it seems a little bit not super thoughtful, like it was done in the last moment, I do like the fact that she is the hero. That we literally have... It's like a, almost a reverse <laughs> King Kong. Like we literally have the the dainty Dempsey on the top of, you know, this building in New York. and the Dempsey she has in The Dempsey in, in distress. And uh, Giselle has the sword. Like, I love that. Like, they had a Disney princess. Um, the only other Disney princess I could think of was, like, Mulan or somebody that, did like, had this much action against the, the antagonist. Uh, I mean, Brave is, you know, yeah. Merida as well does that, but... Especially with the old classic Disney feel that they were trying to have with this movie, it felt a lot like closest to a Mulan type princess, which is one of, which is my favorite princess probably. And so I did enjoy that Amy Adams gets to be the hero,
2: and she did it scaling a skyscraper in the rain in an evening gown.
1: <laughs> right.
4: <laughs> so probably more like a six forty five p.m. gown, <laughs> if I had to guess. It's a
1: dusk gown,
4: <laughs> a sundown gown, if you will. Band name. <laughs> Carter, can I, um, if it's okay with you, I would love to introduce the scientific cinema scale. Well, we here at Two Chunks in a Hunk, along with the uh, brilliant minds of our wives, have crafted, created, and
1: perfected the art of rating movies using- To be fair, I don't want to give them credit for this good scale. They didn't help us. We each asked for it, and they were like, no, I'm too busy doing wife stuff. And we were like, this is important. It could be a big thing one day. And they're like, I don't care. It's your thing. I'm just saying it feels like a little bit of coattail riding now that they want to jump on and take credit for this good Maybe scale. Maybe this is
4: the time to reveal that Callie did all of my part of that project. I just put my name on it. Oh <laughs> I my did. gosh. She would. So uh, Ka- uh, Two Chunks and a Hunk presents Callie's uh, scientific cinema scale. Uh, it's perfect and it is as follows. The best thing we could ever say about a movie is own it. Don't lend it.
0: Buy, buy that poster. poster.
4: After that is buy it. Followed by rent it, and then stream it. After that is forget it, and last, but certainly least, the worst thing we could ever say about a movie. God,
1: God hath forsaken us. us.
4: Uh, I'll go ahead. I'll break the ice here, because I can sense the tension when it comes to rating movies. I'll go first. I'm giving this movie an easy, easy rent it. I, uh, I think it is a blast. I love the music. I giggled a lot. And I will happily pay $2.99 Amazon cents the next time I'd like to watch it.
2: I also give it a very strong rent-it. It was almost a buy, but this it's a really good movie and I love it. It's not my favorite movie. So I'm going to give it a strong rent-it.
1: I'll go next. If that's all right with everybody. We talked about it yeah, and sure. uh, I think we feel pretty good about that. This is going to be a stream for me. Um, and I'm disappointed that it's not on Disney+. Plus because i would i would watch it again on disney plus i won't rent it again it was it was just okay stream it
3: i think that i'm going to have to go with rent it as well i really enjoyed it and i would pay you know 2.99 on amazon prime to watch that movie
1: pay your own money on there don't spend mine
3: <laughs> once a year you're, sure. on so Enchanted you're on our annual. For, someone, for someone who watches it annually You sure didn't like that as It's much, cause I'm tired
1: of it Every Enchantmas Eve we spend You know all of our money that we have Getting as many Enchantmas DVD copies Eve. as we have And then just putting them on every TV we can find It's just I'm a little tired of it Target
4: hates us the entertainment section at Target Just running through and loading DVD players <laughs> with Enchanted
1: they hate us for unrelated reasons. <laughs> With his last breath.
5: It might be more economical savvy for you guys to just buy it <laughs> if you're going to watch it every year. <laughs> it's true.
0: <laughs> Speaking of buy it, here's the thing. I'm going to buy Ench- Enchanted, and I'll tell you why. I, I think I appreciate it for um what it's able to do in between genres nice. for me. It's like it's – uh. Because it is, it made our rom-com series, right? And it fit really well because we're doing uh, a royal romance. But uh, this very intentionally was supposed to be uh, an homage to old Disney and then also bringing it into uh, maybe a modern-day rom-com. It's not exactly a musical. I don't really think there's anything else quite like Enchanted. Even all of those big posters we see – on the marquee in Times Square are totally different things than what this is. And so that's why I'm not comparing it to Wicked or anything like that, but I think for what it is and the fact that it was essentially a one-hit wonder, I mean this made 250 million dollars, like people liked it. And so I think ultimately they had the most important parts, I feel like they did really well, and so it is a buy from me.
5: This movie is also a buy for me. I know we're cute. <laughs> um it's just, it's for me, it's one of those movies that I look into my DVD collection and I'm like, what am I going to watch tonight? And Enchanted is one of those easy fallbacks because it satisfies my rom-com, happy ending, know how it works out, going to laugh, going to sing along, fills all of my buckets. That's really all I need in a movie. Um well, yeah, what more could you want?
4: Gosh, I, I love more? when a movie just fills up my buckets. <laughs> mm-hmm. Scoob? Carter's laugh sounded like Scooby Doo. <laughs> oh,
1: I, was, I didn't know what that meant. Went, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were saying we should, we should watch Scoob, yeah. exclamation normally point. I, normally, I do suggest that we
4: watch Scoob just sort of. At any given point,
1: I'm tired of you. I'm tired of you just always talking about. I'm Scoob.
4: tired of us not. When watching are we going to talk Scoob. about something else? I'm sick and tired of not watching Scoob right now. Um, here's the thing: I want to say before we close out, thank you to our wonderful wives for putting up with us. Yay! For yes, thank you. Participating for coming prepared for showing us up at our own craft. Thank you. You're welcome. And to end this episode <laughs> of Two Chunks and a Hunk, the podcast. TM the Patreon feed. TM, I would like for each of us to say our couple name. For two chunks and a hunk, we are Jolly.
0: jolly. Ew! <laughs> so good. <laughs> Get you some peanut butter and jelly.
1: For two chunks and a hunk, we are Justin.
0: Justin. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> And for two chunks, for two chunks and a a hunk, we are (laughs) perfect.
3: Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Nice.
0: Really, we're the only ones not wearing glasses, so that's
3: what nature tells us.
0: okay. You think you're better than (laughs) me.